Hey, it's Chris Jericho. You're listening to the Rough House Podcast featuring the sexiest beast in all of Maryland and surrounding areas, the illustrious Chris. And Marty. Behold, a podcast for the ages. Recorded live from the interdimensional terror vortex of their subterranean dwellings comes the Rough House Podcast version 3.0. Two galactic warriors put down their war hammers and battle axes to perform a more noble task. Complaining about professional wrestling on internet purchased microphones. Now with more Simpsons references and Kota Ibushi thirst. This is the Rough House Podcast with Marty and Kristoff. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rough House Podcast, episode 275 for May the 8th, 2022. I'm Marty. May the 8th be with you. Uh, I'm Kristoff. Uh, <laughs> may the great 8th be with you. The great 8th scape. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Rise of the Planet of the Eighths. Eighth Escape? I don't know. I I don't know. I got nothing. Who who the hell knows? I certainly don't. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. This is a professional wrestling podcast. And uh, I I think probably the best route for us to to handle things this episode, because this is a momentous episode, 275. Sure. Those nice round numbers. We're Uh tossing out the normal normal subject matter for today. We're going to just focus on one long thing. And that was... Tune up. I got taught to wrestle. <laughs> the Rough House Road Trip to AEW <laughs> this past Wednesday evening at the former UMBC Event Center, now the Chesapeake, Chesapeake Employers, Employers Insurance, Insurance Center Arena. I don't know. We are at UMBC uh, for four and a half hours of live <laughs> AEW action. Hey, you know what? For as much money as Tony Khan spends on talent, he gets every uh, dime possible out of his building rental fees. He really so, does. Good he for really you, does. TK. And uh, for the amount of money we paid for the tickets, uh, we got every ounce worth. Oh, it. sure. Uh, yeah, no, a great value. Yeah, uh, even for on paper, what was probably the uh, least exciting dynamite in a number of weeks. Yeah, uh, ended up with a really great show, including. Probably one of the best front-to-back rampages in a while. Hard to argue. Uh, but uh, we're, we're going to walk you through all of it, up to it, including spoilers for uh, Monday's Dark Elevation. But it's Dark Elevation. What what are you? What, what's really being spoiled here? If you're watching Dark Elevation every Monday, I tip my non-existent hat to you, my friend. Right. Good Lord. That's a lot of... Look, yeah. I have a hard time keeping up with just Dynamite and Rampage most of the weeks, and whatever New Japan match I hear is good. Yeah. Let alone the people who watch uh, WWE still and NXT and uh, Take Flight or whatever the fuck the other one is. And Level uh, Up. Sure, yeah, that's the one. Uh, <laughs> and maybe some Noah. I mean, I, I've watched a lot of, I think, just via clips of Ninja Mac, I've watched more <laughs> Noah this past week than I ever have. So thanks to Ninja Mac for that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, if you watch Dark Elevation, apologies for the spoilers. Um, yes. You know, you can still watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I'll say this, if you're not only watching uh, Dark Elevation, but it is uh, appointment attention-grabbing TV for you, not just something you have on in the background. Have higher standards. Uh, yeah, more more power to you. <laughs> uh, we have an entire other show 
on the, the Patreon side of things that may give you suggestions for many other things you could be watching instead yes. beyond just stuff that takes place in a four-sided three-roped ring. Correct. Um, and uh, as, as you mentioned the Patreon real quick before we get on into the business yes. here, uh, would like – to uh, encourage everybody to go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash the roughhouse podcast. Yes. At the $5 tier, you will have access to Schlegel's Soapbox, which yes. is with our dear friend and roughhouse founder, Justin Schlegel, who we briefly saw walk to much better seats than we had at Dynamite <laughs> on Wednesday. But uh, he joins us monthly to um, you know give his thoughts on the world of pro, uh, pro wrestling. And the yes. last week's episode uh, might have been the best one all around that we've done with him, not only because it was 90 minutes long, uh, but he gives a great, hilarious story to kick off the show Mm -hmm. and then gets into some really good quibbles that he has with AEW, many of which may be addressed in this episode because they came through a lot more on the live show than they may have on the TV viewing. So uh, if you're missing some uh, context for what we uh, are about to talk about, patreon.com slash the roughhouse podcast, $5 tier for Schlegel Soapbox. Highly recommend, not just because we get money for it, but because it is a really good lesson. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, If if you are a member of the OG 538 and you are not listening to Schlegel Soapbox, you're missing out. Now on Prime, Justin Schlegel content, which, you know, yeah. uh, I, I, I try to do my best on this here pod. But hey, man, no, it's it's, it's, it's a very different animal. I, I much enjoy doing the pod with you. All I will say is uh, if you listen to the last week's Schlegel soapbox, you will never think of Mary Poppins the same way. And that's all I'll say. Very, very true. Uh, yeah, but as, as we arrived to the venue, mm-hmm. uh, very kindly, the Leica lads took me in as one of their own for the <laughs> evening. Uh, it was you, me and your buddies, Eric, Derek. And Russell. That's right. Uh, thanks to Russell for driving. Yes. Uh, massive thanks, Russell, for driving. And apologies, in retrospect, for leaving my Taco Bell bag in your car. I, I, I grabbed it. I took care oh, of that for you. Chris, you're the best. <laughs> it hit me like I was five minutes in the door. It's okay, I buddy. Like, I got you. Ah, balls. Anyway, uh, great crew to see a pro wrestling show with and uh, a great crew uh, to uh, head down to UMBC with. It was a, a wonderful evening. And as we came in the doors... Uh, they were just kicking off Dark mm-hmm. Elevation, which uh, we got to see little bits of because there was basically video screens right by where we came in. Where right. we were seated was probably the best location possible uh, to be because literally you come through the front doors. Uh-huh. That's where they had the merch table. Uh-huh. And the curtains to each side of the merch table were literally to our section. And we were maybe five rows down. <laughs> so yeah. we had like one of the shortest walks to our seats imaginable, which for a lard ass like myself was uh, <laughs> was a good find when I found these tickets uh, at the Ticketmaster site yeah. when they went uh, on sale. And, and UMBC Event Center, basically not a bad seat in the house. It's and, true. It is a really uh, nice venue. First time I've ever seen it completely packed. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, because previously we've only seen Ring of Honor shows there. Yes. Uh, and, and even prime ring of honor when we went for best of the world a few years back. Yeah. Uh, even that they only had, you know, two thirds of the arena open. Uh, in this instance, everything was open. Everything was full yeah. with the exception of some minor seating around the hard camp, but that might've yep. just been blocked off in general. Yeah. Um, but uh, the show kicked off with uh, an eight man tag that we saw Next to nothing of, uh, it was the Dark Order of Evil Uno, Alex Reynolds, 5 and 10, 
no Stu Grayson because of his contract expiring over the weekend. Deuces. And uh, it sounds like they could not come to a deal. Bummer in that regard. I mean, it doesn't mean that there couldn't be a deal reached at some point down the line. This may not be the end of Stu in AEW uh, uh, in perpetuity, but for the time being, he is not under contract and was not at this show. He went, uh, I think it was yesterday for Friday when he made a, yes. or Thursday when he made a, a public statement about uh, his contract being expired and him no longer being with AEW. Um, you you know, uh, in terms of that, I, I liked Stu. Um, I, I don't really think uh, Stu and Uno really got a, a fair shake in the tag division. Um, Agreed. But and you know their history on the Indies as the, the what Super Smash Bros. Right? Yes. Um, you know, speaks for itself. Uh, Uno's still there. Uh, I don't know if his contract was picked up or if he came to terms on a new one. I, I think he's under a new deal because he's basically the guy running their Twitch and ah. their Twitch has been growing by leaps and bounds. I, I threw it on a little bit on Wednesday because Wednesday morning they were oh, the games uh, thing. Uh, yeah, they were, they were showcasing new footage from the new AEW game, which is officially titled AEW fight forever. <laughs> and also they were having um, Kingston Santana and Ortiz play virtual pro wrestling, which oh, nice. uh, uh, fucking hysterical. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think Uno, if, if he do- didn't have his contract just picked up, he may be one of those people with like, uh, multi-contract deal yeah. because he is doing this media work for them. Okay. Um, but uh, Dark Order, they went against local jobber four pack. Um, I could not have told you who any of them were because, again, we weren't seated at that time. We uh, we all, with the exception of Chris, decided this was the time to buy merch. Yeah, um, I uh, yeah, I had a had a rough month month fiscally, it, so I didn't have no, the nothing wrong with that disposable be- income for a shirt. Because I I will just say. For a t-shirt company, I felt like as a whole, their selection was pretty lacking. It was. It was. There, uh, there were like – there was like an official AEW shirt. There was the shirt I bought, which was a Baltimore-themed AEW mm-hmm. shirt. Um, there was uh, a hoodie. There was a CM Punk hat. There was a CM Punk shirt who was not AEW on the hat. show. Right. He wasn't yeah. on the show at all. Well, I mean, come on. Yeah, but – there was a BCC um, shirt, if I yes. recall correctly. Yeah, the BCC shirt. Uh, I, did they have a – I don't think they had the Danhausen shirt, which – I don't remember seeing a Danhausen shirt. I didn't see surprising. any Lucha Bros gear or, yeah. or and, merch. And then a bunch of action figures, signed action yeah. figures. Yeah. Um, and, you know – Cody they, went on a discount. Right. Uh, they were clearly moving – yeah, but it, I was why. just surprised that it wasn't like okay, oh, you like the Young Bucks? Here's the Young Bucks. Oh, you like Red Dragon? Yeah, uh, I think Adam Cole's shirt was at the booth. I think you're right. Yeah, um, but I, I, there wasn't a Hangman shirt. Mm-mm. You know, there there were definitely some some people who were missing who are featured prominently. Yeah, um, so it was a little surprising. No hook uh, shirts. How yeah, no, no, I did not send a single hook shirt. Just no. had to yell at the guy behind the booth. Send hook, and he didn't. Yeah, he did not. Um, but uh, the the four jobbers in question who were beat by the Dark Order were Ryan Mooney, Diego, Josh Fuller, and MCW's own Brandon Scott. Who we would, we would see all those later on the Wardlow segment. <laughs> yes, indeed, we would. Uh, and then uh, the taping continued. Does Emi Sakura come? It came out, and to our surprise, so did Abaddon. Much to the joys of your buddies Eric and Derek. Yeah, they were uh, they were all in on Abaddon and her spooky yes. ass. Um, credit to Abaddon. She seemed to have tightened up by like leaps and miles as a talking body or a body of work. Uh, yes. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that on both because her strikes looked awesome. Uh huh. And I, I can't recall her being anything other than like a cool visual in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, physically, yes, she she seems yeah. to be uh, doing the work. So mm-hmm. kudos to her. Um, we had pretty pretty Peter Avalon who. Um, just shocked he still has a deal. Yeah, uh, I mean, I really level. I'm shocked he had one in the first place. Yes. but you know, <laughs> the fact that it's continued is uh, is shocking. Coming, he came out with uh, what the Hollywood hunk, uh, yeah. Nick, no Ryan Nemeth, right? Yeah, Ryan Nemeth. Nick, Nick Nemeth is, is his Dolph brother. Dolph Dolph <laughs> um, and that was your basic sort of house show face heel sure. shenanigans type match. <clears throat> a match I was very much looking forward to on paper. Uh, but I have to be honest, kind of really didn't deliver was John Silver versus Tony Deppin. It was just a squash of Deppin. Deppin got yeah. a really great reaction. He wasn't yeah. the home of Ring of Honor. Right. Uh, but it was more a showcase for John Silver, which made sense later on in the evening. Right. But at the time, I just was like, why didn't you give me a really good match between these two? Yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't expect it, you know, a match with probably his first appearance on AEW. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, you know, to get in a lot of uh, offense. But, you know, it was good to see Tony Deppin regardless. And if this was a, you know, check him out situation. Right. um, You know, hopefully it leads to something else for him down the line. Agreed, because uh, he's he's such a great performer. We've yeah. talked about how much we like him, and especially how much we like him in a live context, because he's yeah. such a dynamic personality. Um, but uh, in this instance, it was really just, hey, let's put over John Silver. Sure. Then, unbe- unbeknownst to us, things apparently got wacky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they had uh, Cheeseburger, who came out to a huge pop. Mm-hmm. Uh, they jobber-entranced him. And I don't think they expected, like, a big to-do, but people lost their mind that Cheeseburger was on the yeah. show to the point where uh, your your favorite announcer, Justin Roberts, Ugh. gave him a proper introduction. Yeah. Um, and he went against Max Caster. Max Caster comes out very, very over. Uh, yep. He and Bowens both. Uh, Caster does a rap. Uh, I, I think the, the key line was uh, he said he'd have him leak in, like, the Supreme Court. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were there were a couple of good lines. It was a solid, solid rap. No real digs at Baltimore. Though, no, no, which was well, shocking. Well, that came later. <laughs> uh, but um, unbeknownst to us, apparently there was a massive power outage backstage. Yeah, I mean everything seemed to be normal from where we were sitting. Yeah, and we so, had we had eyes on the uh, the light rig at the back of the arena as well, yeah. and the monitors, so we could see what was actually going over the TV uh, and, and whatnot, and everything. At that, through that entire uh, last bit before Dynamite went live, everything seemed normal. Uh, but yeah. yeah, yeah, and and Caster ended up going over again. Not a big surprise. Sure. Yeah, and then what was strange was Justin Roberts said, "Hey, we're going to have another match, and it's going to be uh, Baltimore exclusive. It's not going to be taped." So. I didn't know what was going on. I, I started right. thinking in my head, I don't know about you, Chris, but I started thinking in my head like, oh, are they going to test out a talent they don't want to have on TV yet? Right. Or like is someone making a debut that they want to have a match for on dark, you know, something like that where, yeah, 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 where yeah. there's a reason why this isn't being taped. Or a time filler. They don't have enough time for the match they wanted to do, so they're just throwing two right. people out there to fill some time. Right. So that ended up being Nyla Rose versus Sky Blue, which is just mm-hmm. a squash of Sky Blue. Yeah, uh, perfectly fine. Something I wouldn't mind fun doing. match. <laughs> what I did notice is, at least for I think uh, Nyla's entrance, the video screen did not show anything. It did not show like the normal, you know, 
I want to call it a Titan Tron, but that's not, right. not what yeah. it's called. But like the, yeah. the standard intro video. Let's call it a Tron. Yeah. Uh, that that was not being displayed, and I'm I'm guessing because again not all the details came out. I'm guessing it was like a power outage issue in the video truck, maybe because right. again to us in the arena, everything was normal. Yeah, everything no lights was flickered, fine. no Sabu calls yet. Yeah, yet, yet. Yeah, uh, and uh, then they were going to throw to one more match. It was probably seven forty at this point. Yeah, and Justin said, "Oh, okay, we're going to do that match." after dynamite right so typically they film all of dark elevation before dynamite they were booting something to later we didn't know what it was going to be it just was you know very very odd very strange but again nothing had been said or indicated to us in the live crowd that like oh something's broken like it just why would like, you yeah it just seemed like oh maybe somebody went long that shouldn't have gone yeah. long and yeah, it just there, there like was a timing thing. Yeah, there there was you know no real clarification of what was going on, and again, we didn't necessarily need to know, no. um, but you know that's what it was. Uh, and as we got closer and closer to eight o'clock, and apparently Rides of Skywalker was wrapping up on TBS, <laughs> we were going live on TBS with AEW Dynamite and all the pyro. All the pyro and hula baloo and all that fun stuff. And uh, I said to all the Leica lads before the show, hey, I know when my bathroom break is going to be. It's going to be Jeff Hardy versus Bobby Fish. <laughs> and sure enough, the show kicks off with... <laughs> it's not quite dancing. Bobby Fish and Jeff Hardy. Uh, another song I, I couldn't unhear, unhear that way. Well, actually, technically, it started with Adam Cole coming out. That's true. Because uh, yeah. he was doing commentary for this match. But it was Jeff Hardy versus Bobby Fish. It's first live match of the night. Hardy super over live. Yeah. But, oh, man, were there a lot of times in this match where I thought Jeff was going to die in front of us. Um, <laughs> I, I I've said a lot on this show about not being interested in the Hardys outside of maybe a dream match context. Yes. In 2022. And for me, this underlined it. I agree 100%. Yeah, there's no – I mean, I guess it's better it was Jeff than Matt. Yes. Undoubtedly. Uh, <laughs> both in terms of uh, – mostly in terms of singles comp competition. Yeah. Um, and with somebody like – Bobby Fish, and especially since Bobby Fish like did a lot of work on the legs, I feel like Matt Hardy's leg would have flown into the upper deck had he tried to drag and screw on Matt Hardy in 2022. It would have snapped clean off like a shitty action yeah. figure. That, that, that's what it would happen right there. But uh, there was no a articulation moment. for you, bitch. Yeah, I, I don't know how clear it was on TV, but there's a moment where Bobby Fish went for the Avalanche Falcon Arrow, mm -hmm. and I thought for sure we were going to watch Jeff die. Yes, because yeah, right to the neck. As as Fish brought him over, you know, for the you know the the superplex into the Mishinoku driver, mm -hmm. half, he lost Jeff. Yeah, like Jeff is just free falling in the middle of this, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna watch someone die. Here yeah, we it go. was it was scary, and it, I I did watch the match on TV. I watched the the replay on okay. uh, on the TBS app, and I mean it didn't look as extreme, but it definitely yeah. looked like he lost control. Yeah, from our perspective, you could I mean like you could straight up see Bobby's face like ah fuck, yeah. <laughs> like it looked bad. Yeah, as uh, was the case with many things throughout the night. 
yeah. uh, the, the camera angles protect a lot of the business. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I, 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 even for me, who all I've rewatched so far was uh, the main event from Dynamite or not. Sorry, not the main event, the semi main event from Dynamite, which should have been the main event, which we'll should have been the main event, which we'll talk about when we get there. Um, yeah, that that made stuff that looked maybe a little shoddy, maybe a little too rehearsed look mm-hmm. even better on TV. So uh, credit to the AEW production crew who all night long were super on top of it, like the switchover yeah. of ring gear for Dark Elevation to Dynamite to Rampage, like yep. super efficient. Maybe not as hyper-efficient as a WWE crew who are, like, crazy. Right. But, uh, again, good work by all. Jeff Hardy ends up winning that opener to the delight of the crowd after absolutely crushing Bobby Fish with a swanton. Yeah, and to the chagrin of Adam Cole on commentary. Yes, and uh, the Bucks came out and exchanged glances with the Hardys while checking on Bobby Fish. So I guess maybe uh, that is a direction we will go in eventually, which I get. Young yeah. Bucks versus Hardys is one of the money matches. Just no, don't do it. Do it Jeff. a double or nothing. Get it out of the way. We don't need Jeff on TV every week. We no. Even no, though he's going to be on next week in one of the handful of, for me, singles dream matches he has in the company. It's him and Darby, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, Wait, for, oh, we'll, get, we'll get to that. Right, yeah. Go ahead. For the TV crowd, we had uh, William Regal's promo that was part of the, the Road to show they uploaded on YouTube. Which one was fantastic. One of the fantastic. best video packages they've ever done putting over the violence of the Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah. Uh, and then it was the Blackpool Combat Club of Brian Danielson, John Moxley, and Wheeler Yuta uh, going against the Andrade family office team of Butcher Blade and Angelico. This match was awesome, especially in a live context, because yeah. it, it just felt like there was something always going on. And unbeknownst to us live, and honestly, I think this was true for most of the card, I had no idea when the pitcher and pitcher moments were happening. Yeah, no, it, it, it's true. And, and when I watched it back, I was like, oh, okay, that that makes sense that it happened there. Like, especially yeah. during the Jeff Hardy, uh, Bobby Fish match. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it, it there was no real spot for rest holds. Like the action continued, which I think is, uh, you know. That sort of seamless, uh, you know, ha- having a match seamlessly and for yeah. the fans just adds to the whole experience of going to see it. Especially when I'm hearing that apparently on Raw these days, they don't wrestle during commercial breaks. Are you serious? Even yes. with crowds? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's been going around for live reports of the past few shows that like, wow, they just stop. stall and like, yeah, like the, it, it's very, very abundantly clear when they're at commercial. That's see, that's like, that's, that's just bad live experience. Yeah. And if anything, AEW is probably pro live experience, perhaps to a fault, but, <laughs> uh, long story short. Awesome six, man. I really dig the butcher blade and helico trio. I, I'd love to see more of that. Also, in Helico getting in there with Danielson. Yes. That ruled. And if they want to do a singles match with them, I'm all for it. But really, the, the big thing for me was being in a live crowd for the first time for AEW in two and a half years. Yeah. Seeing how they reacted, not just to Danielson as a megastar, but Wheeler Yuta as a star on the way up. Like, it's over. We, we've said it a lot that, that it's clear that what they're doing is working, but that was proof in the pudding right there. Like, yeah, dude got a huge pop when he came out. 
Also, if you give me a singles match between the Butcher and uh, uh, John Moxley, I'm I'm oh, watching yeah. it intently. Oh yeah, way better now than I think it was two years ago. They did the uh, yeah. AEW title defense at uh, Daly's place. Oh yeah, God, so, I forgot about that. Yeah, definitely now would be uh, definitely uh, yeah. Butch is really tightened up, you know, body and body of work. Uh, there was a uh, backstage promo from Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, they got interrupted by Jurassic Express and Jungle Boy wanted a shot at the FTW championship. What's interesting is that was played on TV. It wasn't played for us until during a commercial break. Yeah, I, I, that was that was odd. I don't know why that yeah. was. I'm like, I know. Obviously, I know why you don't get the, the, the commentary throughout a yeah. live show. But why, why wouldn't you do that? I mean, they put stuff on the Titan Tron at WWE, you know, yeah. at Raw or something. So yeah. you don't. You don't really miss out. It was it, that that was a little bit odd. Um, Storyline wise, I like Jungle Boy and Ricky Starks on paper. I think yeah. that'll be a lot of fun. Um, I really, I, I had forgotten about Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that they were the tag champs. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it, it, it's kind of the problem of the the so many toys in a sandbox scenario that we currently have with AEW. That there are so many people under contract. So many people on these shows that sometimes people fall through the cracks. And well, it's, it's not only that, I feel like it's, you know, uh, the old adage, the chase is better than the, the, yeah, the title run. And man, like the chase, as long as it was for, uh, for JB and Luchasaurus, yeah. you know, when are they going to be, win the big one, when are they going to win the big one? And then they won the big one. And then it's like, okay, yeah, now, now, now what? Yeah. They, exactly. they kind of, they kind of lost any bit of excitement. I think, Page, which we'll get to in a minute, really pivoted uh, into yeah, did. the the right side of things where, where the tag champs have not. Yeah. There was also a promo from Keith Lee and Swerve saying they had unfinished business with Team Taz. Uh, and at the time when that was happening, it was like, well, fuck, when, when are we going to get fucking Swerve and Keith Lee yeah. out in front of us? Come right. on. <laughs> and then uh, we had Wardlow come out handcuffed, uh, accompanied by security, no music. Uh, crowd was chanting his name as if he was Goldberg. Yeah. Uh, and I loudly did a shitty version of Goldberg's theme to the delight of uh, our crew. <laughs> um, yeah. And then uh, MJF and Sean Spears came out insulting the fans, saying he'd watch the match in the back. No, uh, no upper deck really for him to hang out in. Uh, yeah. For, well, later on, we, we did see, or maybe it was during, I don't remember. It was at some point we saw Sting and Dar- uh, Darby up in the the upper level uh, behind us, above yes. us. So yeah. we, we couldn't see them. But I, I don't remember which match that was. Um, but at some point we did. So I get, yeah, there's no like luxury boxes at this tiny ass arena. So. Yeah. I mean, it's a great space, and yes, no, I it was perfect for uh, it was perfect for this show. Um, one of the things I was really happy about was reading the the live reports uh, of people watching the show talking about how excited and how lively the crowd felt, yes, which is yeah. not not something that I think has been said about the Baltimore Arena in ages. Like, look, I know the Baltimore Arena, the Chicken Box, can hold twice as many people, right? But this was filled and people were hyped. So totally cool with it. Anyway, MJF comes out, he talks smack and uh, he brought out his mystery person who we all knew was going to be impacts own W Morrissey. Yeah. A Kaz XL, AKA Cass. Um, this match was fine. This was my bathroom break. Yeah. <laughs> Not a bad move. 
Uh, more of the story was the inexplicable brief We Want Enzo chant that was met by a whopping 90% of the crowd chanting, no, we don't. Yeah, I was I was taking a leak and I I heard the we want Enzo and then I started yelling out no we don't what the hell is going on <laughs> much of the light in the guy the yeah I, the I guy missed the first no we week. don't reply because I audibly yelled out loud what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah um no no but nobody nobody fucking wants Enzo here uh, I will say you know uh, I, and I watched I watched the, all of Dynamite so I'll just preface this so you know when I watched it back on TV yeah um, I thought Morrissey looked pretty good. Uh, you know, he's he's he got in shape after the whole uh, what it was yeah. a seizure near death uh, in the ring sort of thing. Yeah, he 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 tightened up. He looked pretty good. Um, you know, I think it was another good um, uh, one off to help establish Wardlow as this huge baby face monster, uh, yeah. you know, and I, I, I it was successful. Um, do I think. You know, uh, we need to see W. Morrissey back in in AEW anytime soon. No, I don't think no, so. And no. if if rumors are to be believed, uh, WWE saw his performance. Uh, apparently, they just impact's not on their radar anymore. Uh, <laughs> and they saw his performance. Look, no one and, in and, WWE can find access on the cable guide. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. Um, they don't have impact. Plus, it's only five bucks a month, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So, I. I if he goes back to WWE, good for him, man. You got your shit together. You ditch yeah. the the little uh, little dead weight you had. Uh, go back, make some buckets. You know, yeah. good for I, you. I mean, he looked great, and the match was perfectly fine. It did what it was supposed to do. Wardlow looked like a beast. His yep. swanton is a thing of beauty, especially yeah, now is. that you got to compare it to the inventor of the swanton, the current swanton. <laughs> yeah. And then post match, uh, Wardlow refuses to be handcuffed. And one of the craziest things I ever saw <laughs> at a wrestling show occurred as literally like 25 different security personnel ran down and he just kept murdering them. He beat off 25 guys. Yeah. I mean, beat off. I mean, he jerked them all off to completion <laughs> in the midst of the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena. I mean, it was just like. You know, you you've seen wrestlers go through security before, right, and hell, yeah. they even did a security angle at the end of the night. Yeah, this was ridiculous. Like, it was amazing. They need to find a way. I don't know how they will do it, but in the next Dynamite, in the intro when they're cutting between all the shots, they need to just keep cutting back to Wardlow murdering more security people. <laughs> I need it. a Wardlow security edit of yes. the Dynamite intro. Is really what I'm trying to say. I'm with it. Uh, it. It was awesome. And then uh, MJF uh, and Wardlow had a little bit of a microphone battle. Wardlow says he's not going to stop till he gets out of his contract. MJF said, hey, you got it. We're going to do it at double or nothing. But we've, I've got a few conditions for you. We'll go over it next week in Long Island, New York. MJF's now, hometown. This is something that popped in my mind. I don't know if it's popped in yours or if you think there's any credence to it. But this whole get me out of my contract thing. Do you think this is kind of a, a dig at WWE as well? Or do you think it just is the story that is there and it kind of works doubly as that? I, I think it's more the latter. I don't okay. I don't think it's intentional. Okay. Um, the, the idea that Brian Alvarez threw out there of uh, Wardlow winning. This was before Revolution. Wardlow uh -huh. winning, face of the revolution, and then about to have his title shot. And MJF gives him his release, but says he has 90 days of non-compete. <laughs> like, that would have been a dig 
Okay. And would have worked, right? And would have been hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but in this instance, you know, it's uh, it's 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 a little bit different. Gotcha. Um, okay. I, I think it's just it's convenient for the storytelling, and they get to use so- certain terms like "I want my release," and, right, and what have you. Uh, a little bit of this feels like we're running back some MJF greatest hits because he's done the, if you want to match with me, I have these yes. things you need to complete beforehand, yeah. whether it was, was it the labors of Jericho or right. Cody had to do like the, the lashes in the ring and yep. the cage match with Wardlow and all that. So yeah. we've seen a bit of this before, but uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Then we had oh, uh God, oh, Xavier go fucking hell. <laughs> Jesus. Captain Sorry. Blew you up, bud. <laughs> he just dropped a big one. I'm lighting the candle. <laughs> then uh Britt baker jamie Hayter, tony storm and ruby soho were yelling at each other backstage the concept uh, of this promo God. a to put over their match at rampage but b what i thought was kind of weird was they were pushing it as like oh this is a momentous occasion the first time women have ever opened up rampage uh okay yeah sure yeah Fine, yeah. whatever. I mean, I I was excited for this match and I enjoyed this match. Yes. but I'm so sick of seeing these four with Tony Schiavone backstage. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Then out comes uh, well, Tony Schiavone was everywhere all night, uh, and he was then back in ring. Uh, which who yelled from our group about how he teleported? I forget which one of us did that. That was me, I think. Oh, it might have. It must have been that. I think so. Yeah. Um, but uh, he brings out Hangman Page, and Hangman Page cuts the promo of a lifetime. Some people are calling this a heel turn. I disagree. I don't think it's a heel turn, no. This is the natural extension of the guy who could not wait to fuck up Adam Page. Or not Adam Page, Adam Cole. <laughs> yes. This, this, well, I guess he couldn't wait for a period of time to fuck up himself as well, but <laughs> that, that's the past version of Hangman Page. Uh He's like, look, you, we're going to have this match, double or nothing, but we're not going to shake hands. It's not going to be, quote unquote, a masturbatory Bret Hart tribute. Love that, Pop. Uh, I am going to destroy you. And yes. then he called out a fan in the crowd, said, hey, I see you're wearing a punk shirt. He's not even here. And uh, after the match, you're going to be running to the merch stand to get a refund. If you haven't burned it already. Yeah, if you haven't burned it already. Yeah. No, I absolutely... Yeah loved this promo this yeah. is this is my fucking champion right here let's exactly. go this is the page i've i've yeah. wanted to see like you said it started with the build-up to the to the coal stuff and it, it's it's further progressed into this and i am i am here for it uh yeah. and i think the match will be great do i yeah. think punk will win no uh do i think he should no this is this is another you know uh, uh i'm trying to think of a another tassel on the uh on the shirts for uh for yeah, yeah. page yeah a, a, another medal for him yeah, uh, but another Stetson for his closet. What I like is between and maybe this is kind of a lucky break because of Hangman Page missing out last week due to COVID. Um, last week, you had kind of a very unique promo from Punk of the I don't think I'm going to win, but I'm going to try my ass right. off. Right. And on the other side, you have the the defending champion where it's not like. Oh, you know what? We're going to go out there. We're going to, you know, have a great match, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, I'm the fucking champ and I'm going to ruin you. You've made the wrong choice. Like, so cool. I I, I love the build for this. Yeah, no, Um, I, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, you know, and hey, I think this may have been one of, if not the first time 
uh, Tony was doing an interview segment and did get interrupted. So we that's were there true. for that. That's true. He got to finish the entire segment. Congratulations, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, Tony. It wasn't Shabon. an interview. It was just him yeah. him handing off a microphone. But it yes. wasn't interrupted. So progress for for uh, for Tony Schiavone. Uh, then we had Takeshita having a, a, a highlight package of what he's done so far in AEW, which then cut to uh, Jay Liesel, Sanjay Dutt, and Satnam Singh backstage, uh, challenging Takeshita to a match on Rampage. They didn't really cover all this live. Like, no. they, I, I only saw the video because, again, we were so close to the, the lighting booth that we could actually see, you know, the live feed of the show. Um, and if I remember right, there wasn't audio the whole time for Jay Lethal, Sanjay, and, and Singh. So it was just weird to us. But then we had Chris Jericho go against Santana. This ruled with two major problems. Okay. Match was great. All right. However, Santana lost. Correct. And then they just got beat the fuck down. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I and I was... You had to remind me. I was like, "Where the fuck's Eddie? Why isn't Eddie out here yeah. for this?" And he ate the fireball the previous week. Yeah, um, which so, meant Eddie Kingston was not at our show, which, which is disappointing, heartbreaking. Although yeah. Eddie cut a fucking great promo on Rampage that we neither got to see nor hear. Yeah, I was bummed. I actually, I forgot about that. I have to watch that. Um, but. But yeah, we we missed Eddie, and it's time to get to the fucking fireworks factory on this shit, man. I'm sick of the same. It's the same thing with the 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 women's division. I just yelled about it's the, it's pretty much the same segment every week, uh, a, a match, and then a beat five on two beatdown. I need two other guys to come or five on three beatdown. Sorry, yeah. I need two other guys to show up, whoever they may be, wherever they may be. Just fucking get there because this is it's getting old and it's starting to get a little annoying. I couldn't agree more. Uh, the match itself was awesome. Santana and Ortiz, when they came out, felt like big stars. Yeah. Santana had a great match against Jericho, and Jericho, until that finish, was full on and put this guy over mode. Yeah. Which yeah. I, I give full credit there. Uh, also, uh, the the JAS are all amazing goons, especially Daniel Garcia, who I couldn't stop chuckling at every time I saw him in that <laughs> stupid fucking hat. He's so punchable. Good good lord, I want to I wanna <laughs> like. And I feel like I could, you know... Not knowing his grappling ability, if I saw Daniel yeah. Garcia on the street, I could fucking pile drive that guy into, you know, a, a, a Subaru or something, you know, like I, I feel like I could take him uh, knowing what he's capable of doing. I know I can't, yes. but just yeah. looking at him and especially in that hat, I just want to punch him in the fucking face. Exactly. Samoa Joe cut a promo saying he was coming after Lethal on Rampage. Again, we didn't see it, but from what I could see of the tiny screen, again, what you saw live, yeah. it looked like Samoa Joe came straight from his shift at Target. So you know, <laughs> good, good for Joey Samoa. Like, uh, look, he, he, he got fired like twice in one year. Dude's hey, trying to just make sure he has a paycheck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got, uh, I'd imagine he's got a family to look out for or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, he's getting that, he's getting that discount for being an employee on top of Target Red Card. That's Hell yeah, smart. Red Card. Let's go. That's just smart. <laughs> Gun Club were backstage uh, and they approached the acclaim with gifts. The gifts were scissors. Yeah, so an alliance between the Gun Club and the Acclaimed. Which was made all the better by the fact that Colton Gunn calls his father Papa. Papa. Uh, yeah, I did. I, I popped for that. And I also popped for uh, for Billy Gunn saying, uh, stick him in there <laughs> for the scissors. And, and then uh, Caster tried to uh, actually, the, scissor. actually yeah. use the scissor yeah. for the, the, the finger scissoring, which... Uh, yeah. 
which was a great comedy beat to go out. So, so yet another new faction for Justin to complain about. Yes, but I, I you know what? I like this faction. <laughs> it, it's a bunch of punchable idiots. Yeah, yeah. It's, the it's ass, the claimed ass boys. Yeah, the ass claimed, if you will. The, uh, oh, speaking of. Just a quick uh, side check because we haven't talked about it yet, but we talked yeah. about it b- between each other a lot. Uh, Billy Gunn was the most recent guest on Hey EW, EW. Yes. with uh, RJ hey. City on the uh, on the YouTube page. If you have not watched these, uh, please go to the AEW YouTube page and watch the Hey EW, EW. interview segments. RJ City is the host, and they are hilarious uh, yeah it, it, if i had to give any comparison it's sort of a pro wrestling version of between two between ferns, two ferns yeah but it, it's less ironic and more like weirdly genuine yes uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, rj city is hysterical uh and the one that goes up because they go up quote unquote S- sunday mornings at the crack of dawn yes uh yeah. the one that's going up uh tomorrow morning is uh orange cassidy which oh that fun. should be great yeah yeah, yeah. the but first yeah, one was dan housen which set the tone <laughs> they've all been enjoyable like yes. regardless of who you see him interviewing he makes it work so. and i and i to circle back to billy gunn i have yes. to say his was really endearing yeah yeah <laughs> you know, I, like, I suddenly realized why billy gunn's had a job in a major wrestling promotion his entire career yeah yeah he seems <laughs> just like a super nice guy he's talking about you know he's given the choice between disowning one of his sons he's like i'll disown them both i don't give a shit <laughs> <laughs> All right, Billy. I see you, bud. I see you, ass man. So then the Varsity Blondes called out House of Black in a segment oh. that I think I was supposed to give a shit about, but unfortunately, I did not. I did not care about Brian Pillman crying. Nope. I did not care about Brian Pillman talking about his dad's old friend, Coach Harbaugh of the Baltimore Ravens. I especially did not care about that. He can fuck uh, right off. I did not give a single fuck. What I did care about, though, is when the lights went out because I got to yell Sabu. You did. And uh, uh, once again, you were disappointed when it was not. But it's okay because it was the House of Black. And then I got to watch them fucking shimmy from spot to spot. <laughs> because even though on television it looks pitch black, yeah, it ain't live. No, <laughs> it's like no. It's like just below dark. Yeah. Like, or just above dark, I guess. It is... It, it's slightly bright enough, and you can see those boys fucking rush to yeah. the ring. Brody King hustling from the <laughs> ramp to the other side of the fucking uh, to the other turnbuckle on the opposite side is is hilarious to watch. Yes. Um, and then you know, aside from the entrance, I really didn't like anything about this. The yeah. the, the stare yeah. down took too long. Yeah. It made no sense for Varsity Blondes who called out the House of Black to stand there and watch them do their spooky boy intro and not jump them. Which yeah. Tony Schiavone thankfully pointed out on the uh on on the commentary as it was happening. It made them look stupider than they already are. I did not like Julia Hart's non-existent slash overacting simultaneously yeah. when it came to the time for her to beat Griff Garrison with the Th- chair. This was the time to pull the trigger on that, by the way. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing? What? And then the Lucha or uh, Death Triangle came out to make the save, but their music didn't hit. So it was like, what, what the fuck? Everything about this was off and not good and never yeah. give Brian Pillman Jr. a microphone again. This yeah. was this was a garbage segment. I'll say it. Yeah. Yeah. This, this was a big whiff and such a bummer because it involves so many people we like. Yeah. I know. If and if, the varsity blondes. Yeah, exactly. If Julia had turned, it would have absolutely saved it. Yes. Like it would have been a C plus, but it still right. would have got saved a passing it. grade. Exactly. Instead, I'm just like, what what is this? Ugh. Why is this? Yeah. You know, uh, uh, just talking earlier, we didn't get Eddie Kingston in the ring. We didn't get Penta. We didn't get Malachi. No. We didn't get Brody King. We didn't get Buddy Matthews. Like we got nothing. 
Yeah. So uh, plus the way Buddy Matthews very coyly shied her away from uh, from Alistair Black or uh, Malachi Black. Yeah, it was just like you know the guy goes from one uh, angle with a girl way too young for him to another angle with a girl way too young for him. <laughs> uh, but good for him because apparently he, he and Rhea Ripley are yes. uh, are a thing now. So yeah. oh man, top dollar paid for that uh, OnlyFans <laughs> exclusive man. Let's go. Uh, another promo that was not shown to the live crowd was Jade Cargill, Mark Sterling, and the baddies backstage. Apparently, uh-huh. this is talking about how Red Velvet's going to win the Owen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I laughed hysterically watching that on TV because there is absolutely zero chance in this world that Red Velvet w- wins that tournament. And then we had, I'm going to say, one of the most spectacular matches I've ever seen live. Yeah. It's not one of the best like I've seen better matches live, but in sure. terms of spectacle, spectacle, yeah, this is one of the tops. We had Ray Phoenix against Dante Martin for uh, a qualifier for the Owen Hart Foundation Cup. This is a match where people will be aping spots from it <laughs> for years to come. Yeah, uh, there were like at least three spots that I've never seen before. Yeah, in this one match. Yeah. Like that they had not only an inverted Spanish fly early on, uh-huh. but then did the Spanish fly both land on feet and stare moment. Yeah. Which was unreal. Yep. Uh, seeing Dante Martin live is a whole different experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way he moves around the ring so acrobatically yet fluid, fluid, fluidly, Flu- yes. fluid, just fluid. Yeah. yeah they don't need the yeah, incredibly there. fluid. And he's going against a guy in Ray Phoenix. Who we've said all this about, yes. but it's like, and I, I don't mean to disparage Ray Phoenix, but it's like, okay, he's awesome, but you you get to see the next generation take over. Like the to to use a hackneyed sports analogy for a guy who is not a big sports guy, there's been a lot of talk over the years about how when Michael Jordan went into basketball, he changed the way the game was played, mm-hmm. and now you have multiple generations of people who are playing even lower level players who are probably on par, at least in terms of raw skill with a Michael Jordan. Yeah. Michael Jordan probably could still beat many of them in a pickup game, but you see that generational flow of what they've done. So you had a guy like Ray Phoenix who for years was like, Oh my God, you have to see this guy live. You have to see what he can do. How is this guy able to do all this on the ropes? Well, guess what? There's another guy yeah. Who's as good, at least in terms of raw material, at being a high flyer, if not possibly better? Yeah, uh, it, it is. It was a delight yeah. to see. And obviously, you know, uh, being the Lucha Underground fan I am, I've yeah. and, and having gone to Lucha a couple times, I've seen probably more Ray Phoenix matches than than a lot of people. And yeah. I'm very happy to 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 say that. But but yeah, it, it, everything you just said is true. And it what it was interesting to me is that t- a lot of people on Twitter didn't seem to think this match kind of jive there was it was you know um the it, the styles were too similar for a great I, I can match. understand that like I, I i feel the the better pairing in terms of my own taste would be mm-hmm. flyer versus a good base you know whether it's someone who's strong or someone who is more technically capable i um, am but, hoping at some point in this tournament yeah. uh and it's and I don't remember how the brackets and I know they went through it, but I think that yeah. Dax 
versus Phoenix is a fucking money match. Oh my god! That I mean, I know they've touched in tag incredible. matches, but just those two solo in the ring together, I yeah. feel like that would be that would be amazing. Let, let me see if I can find what the tournament layout is. Um, but yeah, please, please, while I do that, feel free to keep talking about this match. I, I mean, I think I think I think everything has been said. It, it was it was fantastic, and watching it on TV, like I said earlier, you know, the camera angles help some of the some of the stuff that didn't look um, like was spectacular, but didn't look as smooth uh, live. But on TV, definitely the angles uh, assisted with that. And uh, you know, I went back and watched this match on TV, and I was just as in awe as I was watching it live. Yeah, incredible stuff. And then something we only got on the live show. Uh, bummer that it wasn't shown. Maybe, maybe they filmed it and they'll talk about it later. Uh, is post match? Yeah, Phoenix takes off his mask. We didn't see his face because he was very quickly uh, covered by uh, Alex, Alex Abrahantes. He took his off his jacket and covered yeah. his face. But Phoenix passed his mask to Dante, and Dante looked legit, like, touched by the moment. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's I, the, the passing of a torch, you know, yeah. a mask, or for about lack of a better term. Yeah, that was that was really that was really cool to see, uh, you know, and, you, you know, you could tell because – Ray, you, we did see, what you did see on TV was Ray go over to Dante and like kind of pull him up with like a yeah. you know sort of thing and embrace him, uh, which was which was really cool. But yeah, yeah. the mask thing that's that's fantastic because I think Phoenix now is about 30. Uh, I think Dante's twenty three. Yeah, so you know, <laughs> I know. The, this is this is where th- you know no different than say Ricochet Will Osprey, where sure you can think of them as contemporaries, but there is an age difference. Yeah. And one guy leads to the next, and the next guy leads to the next. You yeah. know, Phoenix definitely passing it on to to Dante Martin here. Uh, they did talk about the layout for the uh, Owen tournament, and what we're looking at right now is one side of the bracket is Ray Phoenix and Kylo Riley, which should, should be, be the, awesome. Yeah, maybe first time ever. I, uh, I, I think so. Yeah, I'm uh, trying to think of anywhere they would have, but I can't unless it was like. PWG, but I don't think Phoenix did a ton in PWG. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. Think and if it was, it was after. I, I think it was probably a six man, uh, right? And if it was, it was after Colorado. It was probably with WWE. So. Fair point. Uh, and then also on that side of the bracket, Samoa Joe against the Joker. Yeah, uh, not as in Joaquin Phoenix, but as in a, a Jared Leto surprise opponent. Um, yeah, it could be Jared Leto. I would love. Oh my god, I would pay. I would empty my bank account to see Samoa Joe beat the shit out of Jared Leto. <laughs> I would. I would. I would liquidate my house to see that. Now, I'm just going to throw out some thoughts here. Everyone seems to think that the Joker is going to be Claudio, and that would be Cesaro, amazing, which would be fantastic. If but, you're telling me yeah. that that would mean that we'd either get – and I, I'm assuming – sorry, Kyle O'Reilly. I assume he's not going far. Although, you know what? Now I think about it, Tony really likes Kyle O'Reilly and Kyle is of Canadian heritage. So <laughs> maybe Kyle's going to go to the finals here. But goddamn, Phoenix versus Joe or Claudio would be unbelievable. Agreed on either. Um, I feel like, uh, and there's there has been a, you know, obviously the the uh, WWE wrestler zero five zero two Twitter accounts, um, there which have been documented by Wrestle Cringe talking about how there's a lack of people of color in the uh, in the bracket. Yeah. Um, I feel like having Phoenix progress a little farther might might help appease that a little bit. Yeah, very true. Uh, and then on the other side of the bracket, we've got Adam Cole and Dax Harwood 
first time match should fucking rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the dream match I was talking about earlier, Darby Allen versus Jeff Hardy. Yeah. Like th- this is very clearly, you know, checking a box <clears throat> for Darby. I, right. I, if, if Darby was like, Oh, I never was a fan of Jeff Hardy. That's bullshit. Yeah. Absolute yeah. bullshit. I'll call direct bullshit on that. Um, they did a little, uh, little interview, uh, yes. with, with Darby and sting, which, you know, was kind of a waste of time because Darby said, yeah, it's a dream match. I'm looking forward to it. And then Sting said, yeah, it's a dream match. We're both looking forward to it. Uh, I'm sure Sting <laughs> This is why inside... sometimes having writers helps, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Sting uh, was dying inside. Obviously, this the history between Jeff Hardy and Sting and TNA is, has been well documented. Um, so I'm sure that somewhere in the back of his mind, uh, there there is a, a Victory Road reference ready to go, but thankfully didn't pull it out. We don't need that. Yeah, agreed. Uh, then Thunder Rosa came out and cut a promo talking about how she's going to be a fighting champion and she's going to be a number one contender. And she like or she wants to take out the number one contender. And mm-hmm. that's someone who she has a lot of respect for. Once she drove eight hours to see in Serena Deeb, out comes wine mom Serena Deeb. And this segment went way too long. Thousand percent. Yeah, it, it, was- it wasn't bad. No, no, but I I think I speak for at least everyone probably watching at home, but definitely all of us live. We're like, it's fucking 945. Why are you still talking? Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. And we knew what match was to come and we didn't expect it to be a, you know, 60 minute Broadway, but still. And, and if anything, the fact that this promo went long, probably hurt the main event even further, which was, of course, the undisputed women's championship, Ring of Honor women's championship match between Mercedes Martinez and Diana Perrazzo. Mm-hmm. They didn't actually hit the ring. Like, they had their entrances and everything. But the bell did yeah. not ring until 9.50. Yeah. And they went for a fucking tie-up. Yep. Yeah. This- I like Mercedes a lot, and I find Diana to be very athletic. And I, I wanted her to shine and shine big here. Yeah. This was the wrong match at the wrong time in front of a crowd who did not like the minute they locked up and it wasn't like it was crickets. Yeah. I I think had someone said, hey, come out with bombs, like start yeah. throwing bombs from the jump would have been a world of difference because w- once Rampage happened, crowd was back up and lively. Mm-hmm. Crowd was super into things. Even the main event. Which started a little slow, and you could feel the crowd kind of waver because it was like eleven twenty at night when it started. Yeah, like th- just the minute they went for that tie up, and it's like, oh, we're going long. <laughs> like <laughs> the the crowd died, and yeah. it's such a bummer because you have two talented women. You have this key moment. And I'm sh- sure on paper it made sense. Ring of Honor title match in the home of Ring of Honor. Yeah, I, I I get that, but this is Diana Perrazzo who has had zero exposure on AEW television before. Right, right. Mercedes Martinez, who's you know most of her matches were L's and took place on Rampage. Yeah. Um, and there was no really, I don't know, th- there was no no hype to it. And like you said, they started out slow. I don't think you know if you watch this in a bubble, I don't think this was a bad match, but it was not the match to happen and especially the fact that it followed dante martin and ray phoenix yeah yeah uh, if they had pushed this another week and done like because they didn't even cut a promo about this no like if mercedes talked about what being champion meant to her and they showed like 
Deanna being such like I know Deanna Perrazzo is a big champion on the Impact side. Fucking get some tape from Impact. Show her, right. you know, b- pinning all these legends or tapping out all these legends and, right. you know, how she's been a dominant champion and have her talk about what being Ring of Honor champion would mean to her. Like this, this ties into something Justin's complained about. Like, yeah. tell us who they are and tell us why they're here. Why we should care. Tell yeah. us why I should care. And it it just wasn't there, which was such a bummer. Martinez wins. Good. Makes sense. Sure. Uh, I, I get it, but uh, just real disappointment at the end of a night, which was a bit roller coaster in things that worked, things that didn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we were joking about it. You know, a couple of weeks ago, there was Sam Punk versus Penta, and we get fucking Jeff Hardy and Bobby Fish and Mercedes yeah. Martinez and Deanna Peraza. I was like, okay, yeah. all yeah. right. You know, but we got Phoenix versus Dante Martin, which was. Great. And we got to see the BCC in action, which was good, too. And then we got, you know, uh, another match and then a whole other show to go. So. Yeah. <laughs> so then they went back and taped the aforementioned match for uh, Dark Elevation, which mm-hmm. turned out to be uh, Swerve and Keith Lee against QT Marshall and Nick Camarado of the Factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, factory came out to no response whatsoever. Well, no, there was a response. Was oh, like, that's true. Fucking hell, yeah. this. That was, <laughs> that, that was the response. Yeah. <laughs> and then Swerve and Lee came out and immediately over like ship. Rover. Like people <laughs> yeah. lost their fucking mind. Uh, yep. Swerve, I know I've said many times since he's debuted in AEW, yeah. like this is the guy to strap a rocket to. Mm-hmm. Watching him live pushes it to that next level. He's he, so good. He's such a star. Yeah. His move set is so unique and so crisp. The way he transitions from move to move. And hey, that's taking nothing away from Keith Lee. Keith Lee's a mega star in and of himself. Sure. But goddamn, I felt like watching Swerve the times I got to see The Rock live of just like, this guy is it. He's got it all there. It's all there. Yeah. So uh, hopefully uh, a rocket strapped to that guy. Uh, unsurprisingly, Swerving Keith Lee win uh, a fun, if uneventful, match. Yeah, I mean, like we were talking to each other about QT Marshall's the perfect kind of goober to be in that position to put over, you know, the two great talents like this. So, yeah, it was I wouldn't say it was worth the wait, but it was good seeing Lee and Swerve. Absolutely. Made it completely worth it. And then yeah. it was the show that we'd been waiting on. AEW Rampage, and it kicked off with that big-time women's tag team match. Tony Storm and Ruby Soho against Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Everyone was mega-fucking-over in this match. Yes, yeah. Uh, although uh, the crowd was very much against uh, Britt Baker, who was rocking her Pittsburgh Steelers gear. Yeah. Uh, and there was one section that was very anti-Jamie Hayter that, at least when she was leaving, she looked like she wanted to fight the entire section. I mean, um, I I enjoyed watching Jamie Hayter leave, but not because <laughs> she was going away. Don't put it that way. Uh, but uh, but yes, exactly. <laughs> awesome match, all killer, no filler, straight action. And I, the takeaway I had from this is it's going to be Britt versus Tony Storm in the finals of the Owen. And I think that's a great matchup. Yeah, completely agreed. Uh, and then. We had some downtime as, at least according to the uh, screen we saw uh, in that aforementioned lighting setup, 
uh, they're doing a lot of close-up shots of Chris Jericho, and I have no idea what's happening. I was right. like, is, is Chris getting yelled at for something inside on commentary? Like, what, what's going on? <laughs> no. And, and something that we didn't catch, uh, I didn't catch live, he's calling himself the wizard now? Apparently. I mean. Uh, I, I heard Justin Roberts say it when, when they introduced him to do commentary. That reminds me. Uh, another fun life note. Um, Justin Roberts sucks. Well, there's that. Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, Jr. Yeah, got announced by Justin Roberts. Then when they went to Rampage, Excalibur got announced again. Taz got announced. Ricky Starks got to do a full intro. Uh huh. Jericho got to do a full intro, complete with yelling at the crowd, saying that that uh, if they boo him, they don't get to sing along to Judas anymore. Right after they after yeah, the chorus a- was over, after they'd already played it, and then, <laughs> um. Uh, th- you know, then they set everybody up there, but Mark Henry and Paul White did intros or did commentary for uh Dark Elevation, even mm-hmm. the main event match, weren't even acknowledged to the live crowd. Well, they may have been. In- we we walked we walked in as the as the Dark uh, Order was getting fair. their introduction, so that's they may fair. have done it, that. Maybe they did the earlier. We missed it, but I was just like, yeah. that's weird. Yeah, because they had already um, been announced. Why announce them again to do one match? Fair so. point. Fair point. Well, anyway, the whole reason why they're keeping uh, a shot on Jericho is uh, they were doing a segment where Eddie Kingston called in on the telephone <laughs> and cut a promo absolutely motherfucking Chris Jericho saying uh, when Kingston got home to his wife, the sight of his burned face broke her. So Kingston <laughs> promised to hurt Jericho really bad for her. Amazing. I, lo- I love it that he's married because I had no idea. Yeah, and two, I want to imagine he was calling from like a landline from an actual <laughs> phone that he's had since 1984. You know, uh, like, either that or like he, he straight up has the uh, the quarter that he's taken to the, the pay phone. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Compton reimburse me for this. Um, then Mark Sterling and Tony Nice cut a pretty decent promo backstage. Uh, Sterling requested for a big time match against the hottest free agent signing in AEW, he wanted to give them his first loss in Tony Nese's hometown of Long Island. That's right, he wanted a match against Dan Helson. <laughs> Great, I loved it. Yeah, but they really I, they got me hook line sinker. Then uh, Hook, uh, it was him against uh, JD, JD Drake. Drake. Yep. Hook is so fucking over live. Except exactly. for that one guy in front of us. Yeah, it was a two people in front of us who yeah. absolutely hate Hook for reasons I don't understand. Yeah. Um, Je- jealousy. Yeah, jealousy. Like he, he was complaining about Hook even when we were all walking to our cars and I'm just like yeah. has this dude never seen a lightweight in UFC before? They're built no. like that and they fucking murder people. Yeah. No. Anyway, Drake did the Lord's work and put over Hook huge including yep. An absolutely crazy suplex that looked mm-hmm. like it went right on top of J.D. Drake's head. Uh, and uh, Drake went for a reverse DDT. Hook flips over and hits the red rum Kata Hajime Taz mission. Uh, Drake taps out. And then after the match, Dan Housen comes out. Big pop. Yep. Crowd chants Hook Housen. Yep. To which Dan Housen says that, that sounds really good to him. Dan Housen asks Hook to be in his quarter next week in Long Island. And uh, Hook shoved Danhausen down, not into the idea. Yeah. And at that point, Danhausen revealed he had had a bag of chips for Hook. 
Oh. Were they Utz chips? I thought I saw somebody on Twitter say that they were Utz chips. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you. Okay. All uh, right. At least from my vantage. But, uh, I have to watch Rampage. Yeah, they, they were left behind. That's a bummer. I mean, I still think it's going to happen, but you know, I wanted to be there for that. Um, like the mega powers forming sort yes, of situation, yes. you know? Uh, Lexi Nair is backstage interviewing FTR. This was not shown to us in the live crowd. Um, and it was Dax Harwood saying that he's going to uh, beat up Adam Cole. For God, his family, and for pro wrestling, because that's what he says about everything. Sure. Then it was Riho versus Yuka Sakazaki. I believe they edited this down a bit because there was definitely live one near fall that looked really ugly. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I didn't catch that at all uh, Hmm. on on the TV version. But this match ruled. Yeah, it, I was. I really got into it. As tired as I was, yes, uh, I, I definitely got into it. And I was, I was rooting for Yuka Sakazaki here. Yes, um, but uh, but Riho picks up the uh, the win, and it was just a, a really good match. And uh, I, you know, and, I, I like, what I like a world the of difference stuff. from looking back at Full Gear the last time, Full Gear yeah. twenty nineteen, the last time AEW was in Baltimore, where Riho and Emi Sakura wrestled to a mm-hmm. fucking pin drop. People were living and dying by the near falls of this match. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just two Joshi stars going out there, whooping ass. This was great. I, yep. I, I loved it. And uh, I, I want to see more of both of them. It's a shame that, that only Rio gets being the Owen. Um, Sean Spears cut a promo on Wardlow. That was shown to us live. Yum. And I audibly giggled when he revealed that he had a chair that said Giant Killer in Cum Font. <laughs> Nothing, nothing to add. No notes. They revealed the brackets for the Owen Hart tournament for the women's side. Uh, it's Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter. Britt Baker versus a Joker. Please be Athena. Mm. Uh, Riho versus Ruby Soho and Red Velvet versus Hikaru Shida. Um, if I'm going to throw a guess here, uh, we get Riho versus Shida in the semis. Uh, okay. And All it right. looks like we'd probably get Britt versus Tony in the semis because of the way the brackets laid out. Okay. So um trying to think what would make the most sense. Maybe Riho versus Tony for the finals? That could be pretty dope. Yeah. Uh then Dan Lambert and the men of the year were out for a promo that at least live seemed to go very long because not one but two floor producers were waving the wrap it up finger two thirds of the way through this. Yes, thing. a very, very long time. Uh I mean uh, I I I don't care about Kazarian. He's not going to win. So why make such a big deal out of this? No, but what I was genuinely surprised by was discovering that Dan Lambert's from Baltimore, which suddenly explained his voice perfectly. (laughs) I I didn't know he was from our neck of the woods. Did not know that. But now all I can hear is his Baltimorean accent. Baltimore. In his promos. But uh, the mixed tag match is off. Thank God. And uh, we're getting Frankie versus Scorpio. Probably because Sammy's injured. (laughs) Yeah. Frankie versus Scorpio Sky. Sky's now a face and he wants to be a fighting champion. And uh, Frankie Kazarian is just a guy. Once again, just a guy. Yeah. Excalibur was running down the card for Dynamite when Jungle Boy ran in to beat the shit out of Ricky Starks. The best part of that to me, which, again, more for a live crowd than those watching at home. uh, Jericho knew the bump for Ricky was coming out, so he shoved ricky stark's commentary chair out a bit so ricky would be caught by it when he took his bump (laughs) so i I thought that was kind of cool um 
Big Dynamite on Wednesday. Jungle Boy versus Ricky Starks for the FTW title. CM Punk versus John Silver, where Silver did a brief but awesome promo on yeah. Dynamite 4. Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter uh, in the first round of the Owen. Uh, Jeff Hardy versus Darby Allen in the first round of the Owen. And Dax Harwood versus Adam Cole in the first round of the Owen. Fucking kidding me? That's stat compared yeah. to what we got. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. And then Rampage Tony next Friday is uh, Scorpius Guy versus Frankie Kazarian and Riho versus Ruby Soho, which... I, I'm amazed I just said that out loud without stumbling over it. <laughs> it's well done. Uh, and I can't wait to hear yet again Taz try and sing the words to uh, Ruby Soho. Same here. And then your main event was accused sex pass Jay Lethal against uh, Kanosuke Takeshita, which, uh-huh. man, Takeshita for a guy who came in ice cold to the Baltimore crowd. Yeah. This put him over huge. Yeah. This match ruled. I'm glad uh, that we uh, we we disagreed with the other Lyco lads to stay for that. I'm yes, glad there was some brief discussion of you guys want to stick around for that. <laughs> Is this guy any good? Blah, if blah, it blah. was almost anybody else against Jay Lethal, we would have been hit the bricks. Oh yeah, yeah. But <laughs> uh, all all I've heard and I've not seen any modern DDT, but all I've heard is Takeshita is like the future of that company. Yeah. And uh, he's a big boy too. Like, yeah. He, he's definitely six feet tall. He's got that Kota Ibushi build too. Yeah. There are definitely similarities there. And they just went out there and beat the piss out of each other. Um, yeah. Takeshita did like a fucking avalanche lariat off the top, which was mm-hmm. awesome. The, the jumbo Saruta jumping knee, um, yes, unfortunately, Jay Lethal ends up winning, but goddamn, he put Takeshida over huge. Yeah, no, that was that was a really fun match. Yeah, had a great time with it. And then uh, post match, Sanjay Dutt and um, uh, Satnam Singh came in. Sanjay as the mouthpiece for uh, Singh is hysterical visually. Well, he's very tiny. He talks very fast and yeah. very angrily. Yeah, no, it, it works. It definitely yeah, it, works. It works very, very well. But uh, they, they go to beat up Takeshita. Out come the best friends and Orange Cassidy. They try to make the save. It doesn't work. Orange Cassidy gets in the face of Satnam Singh, puts his hands in his pockets, and the minute his hands hit the pockets, boom, Joey Samoe's music hits. Yep. Joey's got a bat. And uh, pipe, here, steel oh, pipe, sorry, steel pipe. And here come all the security geeks who got beat up earlier in the night yeah. to try to stop Samoa Joe, along with Pat Buck, who kind of looks like Sam Roberts in person. He does. <laughs> you know, on TV as well. I noticed yeah. that last he, week. He's got the he Nick Cage out. bird hair going yeah. on. <laughs> Not as bad as one guy's hairline a couple rows in front of us. <laughs> hey, you don't talk shit about David Wayne. <laughs> he's made some great films. I mean, I love Wet Hot American Summer as much as the next guy, but God damn, that hair gave up a long time ago. Yeah. It is on an unexpected journey. <laughs> this hairline is Bilbo fucking Baggins right there, man. <laughs> <laughs> The Rough House Podcast is a weekly podcast fueled by coffee, pizza rolls, and the stench of dirty litter boxes. Follow Christoph and Marty on Twitter at RoughHouseSGW, at Facebook.com slash The Rough House Podcast, and at Patreon.com slash The Rough House Podcast for early access to episodes, exclusive podcasts, Rough House Redos, and Rough House Divided movie trivia games. New episodes drop every single Monday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe, motherfuckers! This is the, the Rough, House, Rough Pod. House uh podcast with Justin and Christoph. That's it. Fuck Christoph. He's terrible with his information. Okay.
Hey, this is The Rock. Shut your mouth, jabronis, and listen up, because this is the Rough House podcast with Marty and my least favorite man on the planet, Kristoff. Oh, hi. Didn't notice you there. My name's Farmer Brown. These days, everyone's concerned as to what's going into their diet. People like farm fresh goods and produce. But have you ever thought to yourself, hmm, I wonder what's going up my ass? That's why I introduced to you Farmer Brown's line of locally sourced sex toys in my new shop, From Farm to Butthole. At Farm to Butthole, you're not going to find chemically laden lubes and things that can cause a UTI. Oh, no, sir. Farmer Brown uses all natural soy milk, cow's cheese, and goat tears to properly grease up that hole of yours. From farm to butthole, each one of our dildos is hand-whittled from fresh northern Colorado mahogany, so you can sleep soundly knowing that you had a nice natural rogering of your A-hole, V-hole, or your M-hole. Farmer Brown's from farm to butthole. Lord knows what those anal beads are made out of that you're stuffing up your grocery pipe. Well, have you ever tried some farm-fresh cranberries strung with a nice sarsaparilla root? Well, you're going to find that at Farmer Brown's from farm to butthole. Locally sourced or Organic and good for you and your butthole. At my shop, you don't have to worry about latex or all kinds of silicone condoms. Nope. What we like to do is take an acorn tip and put it on the head of your shit. That's right. It's an acorn condom. Fits right on the head perfectly. Hurts like a motherfucker. Farmer Brown's from farm to butthole. Take a handful of nature. Stuff it up your ass. 